Good evening, this is Caleb Arend with the Walk With God podcast and YouTube channel. This is the recording for Wednesday, 27 May 2020. We're going to be reading from Psalm 119, verses 65 through 80, 2 Samuel chapter 12 tonight, Proverbs chapter 16, verses 4 through 5, and then John chapter 16 tonight. Before we get started, let's open with a word of prayer and go before our Lord, before His throne. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your holy word that we can study and that we can learn from. Lord, please bow down thine ear from the heavens. Please hear the prayer of your servants. Lord, we pray that you would open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts. Please soften our hearts and our will to hear your word, hear your message from your word. Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts directly, that you would give us your message, your principles, your purposes, the things that you have done, the things, the ways that you have provided for your people. Help us to apply these lessons that we can learn from your word to our lives and help us to live according to the way that you want us to live. Lord, help us to live according to your paths. Please go before us and straighten our paths before us. Please uh, convict our hearts and lead us along the, your straight paths, Lord. Help us to set your high standard as our standard in our lives. Lord, we pray that you would lead our country. There are so many that are hurting now tonight, Lord. There are so many that are outraged for uh, the death or for the murder or for the the killings uh, of other people, whether it's uh, uh, this George Floyd man in Minneapolis, Minnesota, or whether it's uh, uh, a, a young man running uh, along the roads in uh, Louisiana or in the South, uh, whether it's um, those that are having their freedom of speech oppressed or censored, whether it's those that are trying to make a stand for your word and are being persecuted or slandered or are ta being taken to court and sued and having their livelihood uh, destroyed or, or taken away from them for standing for their convictions to follow after you. Lord, I pray that you would protect the innocent heal those that are hurting and that are injured. We pray for uh, equity. We pray for justice. We pray for fairness. We pray that your will, your holy and perfect will, would be done in our lives, in, in our country, in this world, Lord. We pray for those that are healing from uh, are, I'm sorry, that are hurting from uh, cancer or that are sick with this virus or those that are hurting with disease or injury. We pray for healing for them, Lord, especially for Miss um, uh, Tina Wright, for uh, her healing and health and protection. We pray for Joel McConkie and for Scarlett. We pray for Grandpa Naputanoa and Grandpa Delano. We pray for Grandma Gretig, we pray for uh, we pray for the Moore family for healing and for comfort and for providence and deliverance and peace, Lord, after losing their loved one. We pray for uh, all of your children, your people that are preaching your gospel, that you would give this the, give them boldness, give them courage, give them the opportunity to speak your word and to share the love for you, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray that you would revive our hearts, help us to turn back to you, to go and to the churches and to restore our relationship with you. Please revive us again, we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now turning to Psalm 119, starting in verse 65, we're reading through verse 80 tonight. 
Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Thou art good, and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. And then Hebrew letter Jod, the previous Hebrew letter had been... Uh, Teth, but now is Jod in verse 73. Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. They that fear thee will be glad when they see me, because I have hoped in thy word. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right, and that thou in faithfulness hath afflicted me. Let, I pray thee, thy merciful kindness be for my comfort, according to thy word unto thy servant. Let thy tender mercies come unto me that I may live, for thy law is my delight. Let the proud be ashamed, for they have de dealt perversely with me without a cause, but I will meditate in thy precepts. Let those that fear thee turn unto me, and those that have known thy testimonies. Let my heart be sound in thy statutes, that I may not, that I be not ashamed. And the psalmist is giving himself confidence in the Lord, reminding himself and showing us, the reader, his confidence in the Lord and praying for the Lord to give him merciful kindness. And the Lord, his judgments are right. And that even, yes, as the Lord has afflicted him, it says, and chastened him as his son, the psalmist is remi uh, reminded of the promise and the covenant that, that the Lord had made to David's family, that he would be a father to them and that he would chasten them. And the psalmist is remi reminding us that only in the Lord's perfect judgment and that right judgment that the Lord uses that he afflicts his servants and he chastens them to teach them and to correct them. But he also prays unto the Lord for mercy and for merciful kindness. And those merciful kindnesses of the Lord are for his comfort according to the word of the Lord and the promises of the Lord to be merciful. And that uh, those tender mercies come unto us that we may continue to live and that we may continue to follow after the Lord. And he prays in the last verse of verse 80, let my heart be sound in thy statutes that I be not ashamed. And asking for the Lord to give confidence in those statutes, in following after the Lord in all of his commandments, that there may be no doubt, no disturbances, no shaking and double-mindedness that we can follow after to the Lord with our whole heart. Now, let's turn to the book of 2 Samuel. We're going to read from chapter 12 tonight. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd, 
to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb, and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house, and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. Howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. And Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. David therefore besought God for the child, and David fasted, and went in, and lay all night upon the earth. And the elders of his house arose, and went to him, to raise him up from the earth, but he would not, neither did he eat bread with them. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. And the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. How will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? But when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth, and washed, and anointed himself, and changed his apparel, and came into the house of the Lord, and worshipped. Then he came to his own house, and when he required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. Then said his servants unto him, What thing is this that thou hast done? Thou didst fast and weep for the child while it was alive, but when the child was dead, thou didst rise and eat bread. And he said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. And David comforted Bathsheba his wife, and went in unto her, and lay with her. And she bare a son, and he called his name Solomon, and the Lord loved him. And he sent by the hand of Nathan the prophet, and he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. And Joab fought against Rabbah of the children of Ammon, and took the royal city. And Joab sent messengers to David, and said, I have fought against Rabbah, and have taken the city of waters. Now therefore gather the rest of the people together, and encamp against the city, and take it, lest I take the city, and it be called after my name. And David gathered all the people together, and went to Rabbah, and fought against it, and took it. And he took their king's crown from off his head, the weight whereof was a talent of gold with the precious stones, and it was set on David's head. 
And he brought forth the spoil of the city in great abundance, and he brought forth the people that were therein, and put them under saws, and under harrows of iron, and under axes of iron, and made them pass through the brick kiln. And thus did he unto all the cities of the children of Ammon. So David and all the people returned unto Jerusalem. In chapter 12 of the book of Second Samuel, we see that David is confronted by the prophet Nathan. King David had successfully hidden his sin of adultery with Bathsheba to everyone, to the eyes of everyone, except for the eyes of the Lord. And the Lord looked upon David's sin, and the thing had displeased the Lord, it said. Uh, but the thing that David had done displeased the Lord, it said in Second Samuel 11:27, right before beginning chapter 12. And so we see that Nathan is now sent by the Lord to communicate this to David. And David hears from Nathan a, the words of the Lord that the Lord used and gave to Nathan for David to understand what the Lord perceived about his sin, what the Lord believed, and the truth about David's sin in ways and in the words that David could truly understand from his heart and from his youth. And so Nathan the prophet, he comes and he says that there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was coming to him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. David uh, being able to recognize and empathize with a poor shepherd man who only had one little ewe lamb that he had brought up as his very own, like he would bring up his own children and then it was stolen from him. David would understand this as a shepherd that had taken care of a flock of sheep for so long and had seen them be born and raised up and grown to full growth and maturity and, and would have understand that the man's wealth and his uh, prosperity and his happiness and his joy would be would have been tied in directly to this ewe lamb that he would have raised and David is enraged by this by this theft by this completely inappropriate uh, taking a theft of someone else's property and someone else's joy from their life that had been bestowed unto them by the Lord and Nathan tells David thou art the man thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee thy master's house, and thy master's wives into thy bosom. The Lord is now convicting David. He is accusing David rightly of his own sin that he had committed. And David, once he realizes this, once he understands truly how he has sinned against God. David says unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord in verse 13. Nathan then also teaches David that by his sin, by his decision to break the laws of the Lord, to commit adultery with Bathsheba, to kill Uriah the Hittite, David therefore had uh, given the great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. And we're not sure if this is exactly specifically talking about the accusations of mortal human enemies or of the accusations of Satan, the great accuser who attempts to accuse all of the brethren, all of the believers in God, and accuse God himself. And 
proudly lift himself up to be as God. And, but we do know that this is great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. Those that are, reject God and try to take power and proudly take their own authority into their own lives for themselves. And David has given them now an occasion to say, look, the greatest servant of the Lord, the man who was called uh, the man after God's own heart, he even sinned. He even committed murder and adultery. And by this, they can make rationalizations and excuses for their own sin. But it is not true. David repented of this now. And he faces one of the first consequences within the next seven days. Because within seven days of the child being born to him in Bathsheba, out of wedlock child, uh, the child then dies. David spends those seven days pleading with the Lord, fasting, laying upon the floor, not allowing himself the comfort of his own bed even while he prays, not allowing him the, himself the comfort of food or of uh, drink or of wine or of anything that would pleasure his soul because he knows that uh, and he prays and he is asking and begging the Lord, thinking, who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live during this time. But when the child does die, as the Lord's word is fulfilled, he then raises himself up. He washes himself after laying on the floor for seven days. He fills himself with bread. He anoints himself with oil. And he goes and he worships the Lord in the house of the Lord. Then... Within a couple of years after this, we see that Bathsheba and David now have a son named Solomon, who will be the next king of Israel. And he was called Jedidiah, it says, because of the Lord. And this, in translated, is beloved of the Lord. Then we also see David becomes victorious over the Ammonites, the people who had rudely, brazenly, and disrespectfully shaved off the beards of the men, the peaceful men that David had sent unto their new king after the death of their his father, and had cut off their garments even to the midsection, exposing all of their naked parts, and sent them away in shame, and then fought against David and against Israel, and tried to bring enemies enemies against Israel. And so David and Joab now are taking this capital city of Rabbah of the Ammonites. And Joab faithfully sends to David and says, uh, we are about to take the city. It's within the last charge or the last battle. Come and take the glory. Take the honor for yourself or else I will come and I will defeat them and I will have the glory. So David does. He gathers the men of Israel. He comes and he defeats the uh, Ammonites at Rabbah. He takes the crown of gold from the king's head that had and was a weight uh, of one talent of gold with the precious stones in it, and it was set on David's head as a, his crown now. And he brought forth the spoil of the city in great abundance, it says, and he brought forth the people that were there and put them under saws and under harrows of iron and under axes of iron and made them pass through the brick kiln. Thus did he unto all the cities of the children of Ammon. So David and all the people returned unto Jerusalem. And so... Possibly this might have been a just deserving punishment for this people because of the shame, because of all the armies, because of the deaths of all the men that the nation of Israel may have lost in this process and in this long drawn out siege and in these battles between them and the Syrians as well. But we could also note and see that uh, David 
uh, and we could possibly pontificate that David, after the sin of his own heart, after harboring sin in his heart, possibly he had allowed his heart to become slightly hardened by this against his fellow man, fellow mankind, and because of this was very harsh in his punishment of the Ammonite people by making them go through all of these uh, torturous types of deaths to punish them as a people. We would do well to realize that sin has a lasting consequence on our hearts and on our souls. It breeds consequences of bitterness, of anger, of hatred, of hard-heartedness towards our fellow man. But the love of the Lord is of everlasting, long-suffering mercy and kindness and charity, love in action toward our fellow man. We should do well to listen unto the Lord when he says to pray for our enemies and to pray for those that persecute us. Now we're going to turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 16 tonight and we're going to read from verses 4 and 5. Proverbs chapter 16 verses 4 and 5 say, The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. And so we see here in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 4, the Lord hath made all things for himself. And that means that all things have been made for the Lord. That includes you and me. That includes everything in this world, whether it is the stones of the earth, the sea, and the waters therein, the mountains and the in their heights, or all of the cities and all of the towns, all of the rooms, everything has been made for the Lord, especially the people to glorify the Lord. And it even says, yea, even the the wicked for the day of evil. Not that the Lord is choosing to create evil and create wickedness, but the Lord has created men who have chosen in their own hearts and their, in their own ways to become wicked. And for this day of evil, it is sometimes by the persecutions of the wicked, by those evil acts that they choose to do in their own mind and with their own free will that we learn the long suffering of the Lord, that we learn the strengthening of our faith and we grow in maturity of our spirit and trust in the Lord. We see here kind of a similar joining verse to this in verse 5 that says, Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Who is more proud in his heart than those that are wicked and are set in their ways and have decided that their way, even though it is evil, even though the Lord has said that it is sin, that it is against his perfect will, but they chill, still choose on their free will and in their own way they still choose to do what is right in their own eyes and in their own hearts with a proud heart which is utterly hated by God for its sinfulness and its wickedness and though hand join in hand though they are joined together in bands and in great numbers of people to try to strengthen their numbers and fight against the Lord he shall not be unpunished the Lord has declared that all sin shall be punished. Those that are evil and wicked, they shall be punished. And sometimes that might only come after their death. But we do know that the Lord's judgments, they are forever. If a man does not repent, turn to the Lord to trust in him for the remission of sins, for the forgiveness of sins, by the cleansing, by the pure shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only thing that we can look forward to after this life is eternal punishment, eternal fire and torment. 
but now we can trust in the Lord. And we're going to turn to John chapter 16 tonight, and we're going to read how we can continue to trust in the Lord. Chapter 16, These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me. And none of you asketh me, Whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin, and of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the Prince of this world is judged." I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. A little while, and ye shall not see me, and again a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. Then said some of his disciples among themselves, What is this that he saith unto us? A little while, and ye shall not see me, and again a little while, and ye shall see me, and because I go to the Father? They said therefore, What is this that he saith? A little while, we, we cannot tell what he saith. Now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him, and said unto them, do ye inquire among yourselves of that I said, A little while, and ye shall not see me, and again a little while, and ye shall see me? Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And ye now, therefore, have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no, more, no man taketh from you. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me, and have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father, and I am come into the world again. Again I leave the world, and go to the Father. His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. 
By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In John chapter 16, Jesus is warning his disciples that when he is gone, they will face persecutions. They will face trouble, trial, and tribulation in this world. They will put be they will be put out of the synagogues. They will be kicked out of the very religious institutions and religious buildings that are supposed to be worshipped the God, the Father in heaven, but have rejected now Jesus Christ, the Son of God that he sent to be their Savior, their Messiah that they have been looking for, and reject his disciples that he has now called his friends. But nevertheless, I will tell you, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. Even though these troubles, these persecutions and trials shall come, it is good that Jesus departed and went back to heaven because now he spent the Holy Spirit. Now the Lord Jesus Christ, he was not uh, kept and enclosed just in the physical manifestation of the flesh that he came in, but now is able to be inside every single one of the believers, those that trust on him in salvation, by the dwelling and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, he is now comforting those that believe on Jesus Christ, that trust in God. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me. And every person that believes not on the Lord Jesus Christ, that is not trusting fully and completely in salvation by his blood, by his completed, fulfilled work, by trusting on him to save us and to keep us saved, they are reproved of sin for denying the Lord Jesus, by for denying his finished work. This world is reproved of righteousness because Jesus is no longer in the physically in the world, but the Holy Spirit is to uh, to reprove this world of the righteousness of the Son and of the Father and of God who came into the world and was perfectly uh, in action and in maintenance. He was perfect in everything that he did. He was sinless and blameless of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. If the prince of this world is judged and those that serve him are following after him, it is logical that they will be judged as well if they do not repent and turn to Jesus Christ for their salvation. But he will also, the Spirit will guide the believers into all truth. He will not speak of himself. He'll speak everything that the Father has given him to speak. He'll speak what the Lord has given him to speak to our hearts. With these words, Jesus comforted his disciples. Then he also gave them the prophecy, the reminder that he would now die, and soon he would be dead. Soon they would see him no more, but then they would see him again because he would rise from the dead. Then they he would ascend back into heaven and he would send the comforter unto them. Now, we can look at this in 2020 hindsight vision and see this clearly for ourselves from the Word of God, but at this time, this must have been so confusing, so sorrowful to hear that the Messiah who had come into the world was now leaving us. He was leaving, and we wouldn't see him no more. 
This must have been fulfilling his disciples with anxiety and with sorrow. And Jesus mentions this. There Now, therefore, ye have sorrow, but I will see you again. Your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. Jesus is promising that with the Holy Spirit, with seeing him resurrected, there shall be joy that shall never be taken away because of that. And we have that joy. That's one of the uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit grows in us. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, uh, temperance, all these things are the part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that he grows inside of our heart. For the Father himself loveth you. Jesus is also promising that the prayers that we ask, the things that we ask of the Lord in Jesus' name, the Father will give to us. We shall ask, and we shall knock, and we shall seek, and we shall receive, and it shall be opened unto us because we ask in the will of the Lord Jesus Christ and in his name. Jesus reminds his disciples and prophesies about them that they shall be scattered, every man to his own. Everyone will fly, will flee away from the Lord when he is taken to be crucified. But Jesus comforts himself and reminds them also that he is not alone. The Father is with him and comforts them also. These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. And we still are seeing that today with uh, so much killing, so much violence and looting and destruction in this world. So much sin, not just uh, of hidden sin anymore, but open, blatant, brazen, uh, brash, without any attempt even to hide it sin out right in the open and uh, with a daring and impudent face daring any Christians to uh, confront those that are acting in that sin to confront them of it and it's just so this world is becoming so ripe with sin it is horrible but and we are promised that we shall have tribulation in this world that this these things shall come to pass but be of good cheer, Jesus says, because I have overcome the world. Jesus Christ has overcome the world. There is nothing that can stop his victory over sin. He has defeated sin. He has paid the price, the cost, for all remission of sin, for all uh, payment of sin forever, for every single human, for all time, if they would just repent and believe on his name. And that is the great message that we need to take to a lost and dying world, to those that are caught in the shackles and chains of sin. Friend, thank you for studying the Word of God with me today. I hope it has been a blessing for you. And we can trust in the Lord Jesus. We can rest in His peace that He gives us through His Holy Spirit to rest in His Word. Thank you once again for listening. If you have any praises or prayer requests, please send them to me so I can pray with you for them. I'd love to do that. www.caleb at gmail.com. That's www.caleb at gmail.com. And I'll be sure to look for those and pray with you for them. Thanks once again for listening. We'll see you tomorrow for the next Walk With God podcast.